I'm grateful for all who've helped with this exciting project that Andrew just finished talking about to prepare a shipping container, uh, which will be sent to El Salvador to serve as a base for a future church building. You know, if you're newer to Southwest, we have a church partner in El Salvador, in San Julian, El Salvador, that we have been able uh, to purchase land for which we are very grateful for, and uh, they are now meeting on that land. So this is what the eventual building will look like. So if you can picture the yellow container out in our back uh, property here, uh, that'll be that yellow part on one side. There's a church in California that's uh, preparing another container. That'll be the other side, and then a church building will be constructed between the two, which will be a great uh, facility for that church in El Salvador, not just to meet on Sundays, but to actually be a community center throughout the week to serve the people there of San Julian. They're already meeting in the land that we purchased for them, and uh, which is really cool, and they send us photos from time to time. Here they are clearing the land and they've set up kind of a temporary structure, but they're looking forward to having a more permanent structure, and we're grateful for that. As we shared last week, uh, these kind of projects have only been possible because of the generous offerings, uh, special offerings by the people of this church. And so we're very grateful for past special offerings that we've had. Uh, we've made it our practice the Sunday before Thanksgiving to have a Thanksgiving special offering. And through the years, we've been able to do a number of things like purchase land and uh, build a church building. But this year, again, in two weeks, we're gonna have another special offering. And uh, we shared with you last week the different items that will be uh, part of that special offering. The two big items that we just wanted to keep before you is uh, we're planning to build a community shelter right next to the playground that was built from a previous special offering. And we just think that'll be a great opportunity to serve the community, serve the people that meet at the YMCA. A second largest piece of that special offering is that as our kid and student ministry has grown, uh, we have challenges, especially as one of the results of the pandemic, you, you can't rent vans anymore. That, we've just found it really difficult to rent vans. A lot of the rental places sold them uh, during the pandemic. And so because of that, uh, we're going to purchase a van so our kids and student ministry can transport kids to and from student events. Uh, we're also going to upgrade our uh, 20-year-old uh, trailer out there so that we can carry uh, food, uh, luggage, uh, supplies, even not just for student trips, but also for future mission trips. So you can see uh, this special offering meets needs locally, uh, nationally, in the church, and internationally. And so because of that, we just want to encourage you to be thinking of how we can make a difference. I know my wife and I started talking last week what we're planning to give and uh, we always do this exercise where I come up with a number, she comes up with a number, and then we share it with each other. And, and it's amazing how many times we're on the same page. But I want to urge you to just be praying about that and maybe be thinking and planning for that two weeks from today. So with that said, let's pray. Ask God to really be intervening and uh, not only in the upcoming special offering, but in all that we do, especially this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a great God. We thank you, Father, that you have been so 
faithful to us as a church. We're thankful for how you've just poured out gifts and blessings into our church in a generous way. And thank you for how you've moved hearts within this church to be generous. We pray, Father, for our upcoming special offering that you'll lay on each of our hearts how we can play a part. And Father, I pray that uh, you will just really be honored and glorified through this faith goal that we've set before you. And we ask, Father, that you will help each of us see the part we can play so that this faith goal can only be met but surpassed. And we ask, Father, that you'll do that and we'll give you all the glory. We pray, Father, as we just talk about your love for us and how you've called us to love each other. I pray that you'll give me the ability and the wisdom to know how to share the things on my heart so that it'll be a help, an upward call, an encouragement, a challenge to every person that's here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, it's great to be together this weekend. I love meeting with the church, and personally, I've come off a great weekend. Um, I know some of you think I'm going to talk about the big Purdue win yesterday, but surely I wouldn't take time to talk about that, okay? But, but I will share with you that uh, what I am truly excited about from this past weekend. This, this past weekend, our staff and leadership team had a fantastic week spending all day Friday and all day Saturday uh, meeting with outside consultants as we had an opportunity to share with them what's been happening in the church describing our rebuilding progress to date in 2021, and we worked together to help formulate some exciting future plans for the future. And I think there was just a real sense of energy and excitement and unity within the room, and I'm excited about that, and I'm looking forward over the weeks, the months, and into the next year sharing some of those exciting plans. And I just want you to know, Personally, I'm anticipating some great things in the future and, and looking forward to being a part of it. But this morning, we, we were looking once again on the subject that we've been looking at of love illuminated. As we continue to read from this small but powerful book in the Bible that's entitled 1 John. It's the first letter, at least it's labeled that way in the Bible, written by the Apostle John as he wrote toward the end of his life these letters to early Jesus followers of what it means to live out their faith. Jerome, who was a 4th century Bible translator and historian, reported that when the Apostle John was too old to teach or preach, he would sometimes be carried into the assemblies of the early Christians, and he would lift up his head, and he would simply whisper the words, little children, love one another. You get that sense as you read the chapter we're going to be reading from today. In fact, the opening line from the section of Scripture that we're going to be examining this morning in 1 John 4, 7, the New American Standard Bible reads this way, Beloved, let's love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is simply the beginning of this 
timeless call for those who have been born of God, those who have experienced rebirth and renewal in Christ to live a new life of love. We will have an opportunity in our small groups this week to, to dig into this rich, rich section of the Bible that's been described by some as the masterpiece portrait of God's love. A passage that I often share at wedding ceremonies as I officiate weddings because I believe the passage that we're going to read today is, is truly a blueprint for what it means to have loving relationships with each other. It applies in marriage. It applies in family. It applies in our relationships with one another in the church. And it should spill over from us to everyone that we come in contact with. One author likened the passage that we're about to read, and in fact, we're going to do something different today just because I try to mix it up a little bit. And what we're going to do today is, after I try to set the stage for this, I'm just going to read this entire section. It's about 14, 15 verses. It's a longer section than we normally read in one reading, but it's just so beautiful. I just want you to soak it could end. And think about it. You know, one author likened this passage to, the, to, to a, a masterpiece similar to a famous work of Michelangelo. The, the Renaissance ar artist sought to paint the, the life-giving creative power of God. Although I'm not questioning that the Sistine Chapel and the artwork on that ceiling is a masterpiece. I proclaim to you that we're about to read a complete portrait of God's life-giving love. So let's open our hearts. I want to ask you to open your heart, to embrace the love of God that we're about to hear beautifully described in the Apostle John's words. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know what, that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
This is how love is made complete among them, so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Wow. That truly is a beautiful portrait of God's love. And I'm looking forward to applying this passage to my life and to my marriage as my wife and I meet even later today with the small group that we participate. And yet, this morning, we want to just make a few observations in our time together by asking three important questions. What does the Bible say about God's love from this passage? Why is that important to us, and why should it be important to us? And how do we respond to God's love? Now, these three questions are key in keeping with our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a term that's used throughout the Bible to describe someone who is a follower of Jesus is the term disciple. Now, in this letter from John that he's writing to people that have already made that decision to follow Jesus, it's interesting that he never uses the term disciple. But in the gospel that he wrote that's found, it's the fourth book in the New Testament. First John is more toward the end. But, but the gospel of John, he uses that term disciple almost 80 times to describe someone who is learning from Jesus and someone who is committed to following Jesus. Now, with that said, let's look at one of the times that he uses that in his gospel, the gospel of John, in John chapter 8. And let's see if we can draw a parallel between what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and this challenge to love one another that we're going to look at today. In John 8, verse 31, 32, in the English Standard Version, it reads this way, So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As I read these verses from the English Standard Version, this translation captures a rich meaning behind what Jesus was teaching here when He utilizes the word abide. Other translations will translate that word as remain or continue in the teachings, and those are accurate translations. But this word abide, which is the literal translation of the word that John recorded from Jesus' teaching, 
is, captures this idea that a follower of Jesus is more than simply giving intellectual assent to Jesus. It's more than just saying, yes, I believe He is the Savior of the world. Yes, I believe He's God's Son. Those are important decisions to make and, and, and points of faith to come to. But what, what John, what, what Jesus is calling and John's recording is that, that those who really want to be His followers must allow His teachings to abide in them, and they abide in His teachings on an ongoing basis. Let me see if I can explain the, the importance of this word abide. For example, last month, Jane and I, on vacation, rented a basement art, uh, apartment in Old Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., blocks from the Supreme Court building. And we stayed for a week in this furnished apartment. But I certainly wouldn't describe it as our ongoing abode, okay? It's not where we abide. We just visited there. And I might say, I don't want to abide there, okay? But that's just a, a, a side point. This past week, our grandson, Cooper, stayed with us for a few days. He's two years old. But I wouldn't describe him as abiding, remaining, or living with Jane and me. Honestly, I don't think that Jane and I could handle the energy of a two-year-old on an ongoing basis. There's a reason why you have children when you're younger, okay? Let me just say that. After a few days with Cooper, I was tired, okay? But, but I love him. But to be a disciple or follower of Jesus means you don't just visit or stay for a short time. But instead, as a follower of Jesus, we allow His teachings to truly live, to truly dwell, to truly abide in our hearts, and we live there, to abide in our head, in our hearts, and in our hands as we live out our faith. In fact, our definition of being a disciple that we teach in our starting point class is to be someone who is, one, is following Jesus with your head, is being changed by Jesus with your heart, and is committed to the mission of Jesus with your hands. Do you have that graphic, Jeremy, if you could show that graphic? Because I think it'll help you remember our definition that we use for what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, we need to learn how to read, apply the Bible by asking the head questions, what? What does it mean to follow Jesus? But we also have to ask the why questions of why is that teaching important for me to embrace in my heart? Why is it important for me to be changed by that teaching? And then we got to get around to asking the how, the, the hands questions where we say, how can I put this into practice and how can I live it out? And that's actually a great way to approach Bible reading on your own, to ask yourself as you, after you read a text, what do I learn from this? Why is that important? And how am I going to put it into practice? And that's exactly what we're going to do today in our time together. We're going to ask three questions after we read this masterpiece section of Scripture about love, is what do we learn about God's love? Secondly, why is it important for us to not just visit but abide in God's love? And how do we complete God's love in our life? 
First, what do we learn about God's love from this first John passage? Again, we're going to discuss this more in length in our small groups, but let's just isolate a couple verses in this text. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In this one power-packed verse, we learn that some very important aspects of God's love. First of all, we learn that God's love is reliable. We can know it. We can rely on it. God's love is, is, in, is constant. Something we can know is certain. We can depend on it. This is such a contrast to the love that, unfortunately, many of us have experienced in relationships. Possibly some of you grew up in a home. Maybe you grew up with a parent who was struggling with their own issues. And because they were struggling with their own issues, they had difficulty in being consistent in their love for you. And possibly because of that, you felt like growing up that the love that you would receive from your parents was conditional based upon your performance in school, the grades you made, or maybe your performance in sports, how well you did in that, or some other activity, or maybe even just if you took care of all the chores around the house. But you were never quite sure, am I really loved? If that was your situation, I'm sorry that that's what you grew up with. But I want to point you to a love today that you can depend on. I want to point you today to a Father in heaven whose love is not like that, whose love is consistent, dependable, reliable. You can know it, and you can be certain of it. Possibly some of your still in a relationship or you were in a relationship in the past that you found yourself always walking on eggshells around that person, never knowing if you were going to encounter the loving person today or the angry person. John writes, in contrast to the kind of inconsistent unpredictable love we might experience from other human beings, we can know and rely on the love that God has for us. Isn't that good news? Secondly, this verse goes hand in hand with something that we read earlier in the chapter in verse 10 when John states, this is love, not that we love God, but that He loves us. This is a reminder that God loved us prior before us loving Him. And this should give us confidence in the reliable nature of God's love. I think sometimes our speech about God and our relationship with God reveals that maybe we forget this or we don't quite grasp that. You know, from time to time I'll hear somebody say, well, you know, when I started seeking God, when I started loving God, everything in life started to click and fall together. And well, I think that's true that when we seek a relationship with God, when we begin loving God, I think things do come together in our life. But I think it's important for us to realize that we weren't the initiator of that love. 
that the love that we have for God is, is really a returned love because He loves first. In my own life, I remember a time when I was resistant to going to church. I was resistant to seeking a relationship with God. I was resistant of hanging out with other believers or worshiping God on a regular basis with other believers. Yes, I acknowledge that even though I wasn't seeking God, through a turn of events, I saw how God was seeking me. And it became abundantly evident that even though I was running from God, God kept chasing after me. And for that, I am so, so grateful. And I can say with all my heart today, yes, I love God. I love Him with all my heart. But it's not because I, you know, somehow just found it within myself to muster up this love for God. That's not the way it works. The truth is, God loved me. He chased me. He, he kept surrounding me with people that pointed me to Him. And eventually, I just said, okay, I need to turn to this God that loves me and has done so much for me. You know, that gives me confidence. And I hope it'll give you confidence when you have that bad day or bad week or maybe 2020, the bad year, okay? I mean, that in the midst of even bad stuff and when everything seems like it's not going well, we need to come back to, but God loves me even at times in spite of myself. Now, back to our text. Thirdly, we learn that God is love. Love is the very nature or the unchanging nature of God. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only aspect of God's nature that we must acknowledge. God is also holy and just and merciful, and, and we could just keep going on and on the different attributes of God. Even earlier in this letter, John points out, in fact, the first two chapters, his focus is God is light. God is pure, absolutely holy, just, and true. Yet, as we said earlier, we can rely upon God's unchanging nature, and that's important for us to remember. Yet, it's important for us to understand from this text that Bible does not say love is God, although some have tried to idolize a a feature of God's nation, nature, or maybe even the human emotion of love, or some, I think, I have idealized feeling in love or being in love. But let's remember that love is not God. Instead, we're told that God is love, and that pure love is from God. And those who live, or as the New Revised Standard Version says, God is love, and those who abide, there's our word again, those who remain in love abide in God, and God abides in them. This doesn't mean that we just check in with God once a week and are reminded that He loves us and take communion and say, okay, I've checked the box. That's not what it means to abide in love. It means seven days a week. What does it mean for me to respond to God's love in my life? What does it mean for me to love others as God has told me to? 
Am I doing that on an ongoing basis, both with my head, my heart, and my hands? Is, God truly, is God's love truly abiding in your head, in your heart, in your hands, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week? That leads us to our second question. Why is it important for us to abide in God's love? As we'll keep reading, abiding God's love leads us to have a changed relationship with God, a relationship that's not based on fear of judgment or punishment. Verse 17 reads, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Why is it important for you? Why is it important for me to abide in God's love? It will lead us to have confidence in our relationship with the Creator, a a God that we will all stand before someday and give account for how we've lived our life. Now, as intimidating as that might seem to stand before God Almighty and to give an answer for how you've lived our life, This passage says we can have confidence to approach God based on His love and based on the realization that we have been living or abiding in His love, and we have allowed that love to change us through and through, that we've become more like Jesus. Also, there's a fascinating phrase in verse 17 that if we respond to God's love, that His love will be made complete in us. Now, you might say, well, I thought God's love was complete already. John says we have an opportunity not just to receive God's love, not just to know it in our head, heart, but to live it out in our lives with our hands. We can complete the circle of God's love by, in turn, loving others. That's why it's important for us to embrace this love and complete this love in our life. So our final question is, how do we do that? How do we hands-on complete God's love? It's by imitating God, taking the initiative to demonstrate this love to other people. Just as God literally put skin in the game when He sent His Son to this earth and He became skin, bones, and flesh, We need to get some skin in the game. And we need to say, I'm going to get serious about demonstrating this love toward others. So here's my challenge to all of you for the remainder of this month. For every person who regularly worships here, I want to give you a challenge. And I want to encourage you to take this seriously. I've thought and prayed about this challenge I want to challenge you to complete God's love by obeying the teaching found in 1 John to love one another. The first is obey this teaching by spending some time praying today, maybe even during our time of communion, later today, throughout the afternoon, before you go to bed, and ask God to help you see someone in this church Someone that maybe you see on a regular basis and you say hi, shake their hands, it's good to see you, but to take the initiative to go a little deeper in that. 
and to ask that person if they would meet you for coffee, have lunch, go for a walk in the park, go out to eat together, or possibly even have them come over to your home for a meal. This could be someone you admire their faith and the way they live their life and you want to learn from them. Or it could could be someone that you sense is just kind of lonely right now. Someone that maybe is carrying a burden that they maybe need somebody to come alongside and help them. Will you take that challenge? Will you pray and say, God, who is it that you want me to love in a very practical, skin-in-the-game, hands-on way by spending an hour with them? Will you take that challenge? The second challenge is to imitate God's love and to reach out this month to someone who does not attend this church. Now, I'm not asking you to invite them to church. Oh, you can do that. We'd love for you to invite people to church and more and more people to come here. But I'm simply challenging you to initiate spending time with someone that maybe doesn't look like you, doesn't think like you. Maybe they don't attend church on a regular basis, and you just initiate spending time with them. Maybe you carry out an act of kindness that they need. Maybe you spend an hour of service helping them with something. Or maybe you just try to meet a need. Will you complete God's love, not only by loving one another, but letting it spill out from you into the lives of others around us? I don't think people in our world need another finger pointing at them, telling them where they're wrong. I think people in our world need to experience the love of God. And they need to see somebody that's taking it to heart and willing to live out that love and share with somebody else. Will you pray and ask God to put someone from this church on your heart that you could love in a practical way? And would you ask God to put someone on your heart that's outside this church that you can love? I know that's a challenge, but sometime this month, before the month's over. In fact, I would love to hear stories of how you sense that God was completing love through that action, through that initiative. I'd love to hear those stories the rest of this month. And we'll celebrate together God's love. Remember, we're just responding to a love that's been shown to us. 1 John 4 9, great passage for us to read before we take communion together. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice our sins. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Teach us to rely upon your love. And yet, Father, we see today that we're called to complete your love. Please lay on our heart someone that we could initiate with someone within this church that needs encouragement. Show us, Father, someone that we could reach out to outside this church that needs to know your love. 
teach us to abide in your love. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son, that you took the initiative. We didn't deserve it, but thank you so much that you sent your son and he died for us. Help us remember him as we take the bread and take the cup. It's in Jesus' name we pray. into Christ following our second service and it was just really exciting to me to see one of the young ladies that grew up here in this church uh, Abby Hep pour into another young lady and she was baptized into Christ that, that's God's love it's awesome maybe some of you are ready to make that decision we're going to have one of our staff members up near the, near the baptistry following this service if you'd like to talk about being baptized you could reach out to him if you want to learn more about what it means to be a part of Southwest and why we emphasize things like baptism, we have a starting point class we offer once or twice a week. In fact, we're going to offer it this Wednesday at November 10th. We're going to offer it next Sunday if you can't come on a weeknight during this service just so that we can give an opportunity for you to hear about God's love and how it, it can transform you as a person and us as a church. Let's think about that as we resolve to leave here to live a life of love this week. And if you're able, think about that as we're able to stand and sing together a final song.